0: You're listening to Comedy Central. November 29, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Our guest tonight is an author with a brand-new book about abortion rights. Lindy West is joining us, everybody. It's gonna be a really fascinating conversation, but first, let's catch up on today's headlines. (laughs) You ever watch a marathon? It's fun, it's exciting, everyone cheers for the winners, and then you have to wait seven hours for the last person to finish? (laughs) Well, that was pretty much the midterm elections. The
1: 2018 midterms are officially over. Democrat T.J. Cox has claimed victory over Republican incumbent David Villadeo. This is the last congressional race in the country to be tallied. Overall, Democrats picked up 40 seats in the House.
0: That's right. The midterms are officially over, and the Democrats won big. But it took them a long time to get there, so it turns out it wasn't a blue wave. It was more of like a blue rising sea level, you know? (laughs) And let me just say, after more than three weeks of counting votes, America, your elections take too damn long. Like, I miss Africa where it's just like, he has a tank, he is the winner. (laughs) Moving on, moving on. Gun violence in America remains a serious issue. Unfortunately, the solutions for gun violence aren't quite as serious. Oakland University's faculty is being armed and trained to stop active shooters, but they're not getting guns to carry on campus. They're getting hockey pucks. The American Association of University Professors has distributed the small rubber discs to its 800 members. The university police chief says
1: throwing heavy objects to distract a shooter is an effective strategy.
0: Hockey pucks? you giving kids hockey pucks to protect themselves from guns? How how did they come up with this? Like, they must have been thinking, okay, gun control. What else do Americans not give a shit about? (laughs) Oh, hockey. Let's give them hockey pucks. (laughs) In other news, Christmas is just around the corner. You know, it's the time of the year we honor with sacred traditions uh, by changing those traditions for no reason. Black is the new green, at least when it comes to Christmas trees.
1: Many families are ditching the traditional trees for a darker look. There are thousands of posts on Instagram with the hashtag Black Christmas Tree. A design influencer is on GMA this morning to explain why these trees are so popular. It goes with everything. It goes with any kind of decor. And because our real life decor has really started to become what's going to look good on
0: social media, green doesn't always cut it. Yeah, if you're a green Christmas tree, kill yourself. (laughs) Like, what is going on with Christmas trees this year? Who needs a black Christmas tree? It looks the same as a green one. Like, there's black Christmas trees now. Melania put up those red trees that turned the White House into American Horror Story. I mean, (laughs) look at that. It it looks like she skinned Christmas trees and then hung them up as warnings to other trees. She's like, that will teach you to shed on my carpet. (laughs) And finally... Finally, if you ever had someone make fun of your name, trust me, it could have been worse.
1: For a Texas woman and her five-year-old daughter, Southwest Airlines flight home turned into a social media nightmare. Tracy Redford says her daughter's unique name caught the attention of a Southwest Airlines gate agent. This is Absidy, but her name is spelled A-B-C-D-E. The girl's mother says the agent made fun of the name and even posted a photo of her boarding pass on social media for others to chime in.
0: Okay, you know what? First of all, I think this mother is right. What Southwest did is not cool. Because honestly, if you're Southwest Airlines, where do you get off making fun of anybody else? You're named after a direction. That's not a great name. (laughs) You're practically the worst airline there is. Like, if it weren't for Spirit, you'd be Spirit. (laughs) And yes, United dragged someone off a plane, but at least they wanted to be on a United plane in the first place. You ever fly Southwest, you ask for a water, they say, suck your spit, shut up. (laughs) So no. That Southwest employee should not have publicly made fun of this girl's name. But at the same time, (laughs) at the same time, why would a parent name their child ABCDE? (laughs) You're supposed to name your child after her grandmother, not after her grandmother's Facebook password. (laughs) And honestly, it was only a matter of time before this little girl discovered that she had an unusual name. I mean, she, she probably figured it out as soon as she boarded the plane. She was trying to find her seat like A, B, C. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm in all the seats. All right, let's move on to our top story. Let's talk about the United States military. It's the home of America's toughest warriors. I mean, that is if you don't count the people fighting at 2 a.m. in Denny's. Now, some of the perks of joining the U.S. military include learning technology skills, uh, gaining leadership experience, and they get to use super advanced weapons like six months before everyone else in America. But there's also a promise America makes to its troops. And that is, if you serve your country, when you come home, your country will serve you, right? Veterans get subsidies for housing, uh, education, HBO passwords, but unfortunately, These days, collecting those benefits has become its own battle. Finances are tight for many veterans and their families this holiday. That's because the Veterans Affairs Department is way behind on education-related reimbursement payments to America's heroes. Vets registered in undergraduate and graduate school programs under the GI Bill are facing
1: mounting unpaid housing subsidy bills. Some are even taking on debt.
0: There are 73,000 claims now pending, 27% more than last year at this
1: time, and that payments to more than 10,000 veterans have been delayed more than 30
0: days. Yes, it turns out the American government, AKA, we love the troops, is stiffing veterans out of money for housing and education. And that's the opposite of what you'd expect, It's like finding out the Pillsbury Doughboy has got a gluten allergy. Be like, but you sold us the stuff. I know, but it's not for me. Don't get high on your own supply. And if this makes you angry at your government, wait until you find out the reason that these veterans haven't been paid. The delays are being blamed on computer problems. The culprit's not a person, but a machine. A 50-year-old
1: computer system at the Department of Veterans Affairs is shortchanging post-9/11 veterans.
0: That system is complex. Um, that engine is old. Seriously, America can't pay its veterans because it's using a 50-year-old computer? Get the out of here, man! Like when it comes to going to war, America always finds the money, right? Every time America's going to war, they find the money for drones that are so advanced, they can zap a pimple off an ISIS fighter's face. (laughs) But when the soldiers get home, all of a sudden America's like, yeah, we can't pay you. Our computers are running Windows BC, so sorry. (laughs) A 50-year-old computer, like, I'm sorry, I don't trust a computer that has a built-in ashtray. That is some old ass shit. (laughs) Like, do you you guys understand? No, just take a second. Do you guys understand how bad a 50-year-old computer system must be? Have you you seen someone with an old iPhone, huh? Have you met someone with those old iPhones? When they take your phone number, they have to do it in installments, you know? They'd be like, seven, all right, I'll see you next week and we'll do the next one. (laughs) Just gonna wait for this to load. (laughs) And now you would think that after the VA identified the problem, all right, they'd be like, all right, veterans, we're gonna make this up to you. We'll get a much better computer from like 1987 and we're gonna get you guys paid, but instead, The VA came out and said that because the number of unpaid veterans is so high, it would be too much effort to figure out how to pay them all. So they're just not going to pay anyone what they're due. Yeah, that's not the attitude of a responsible government agency. That's the attitude of an absentee dad. Just comes back and he's like, hey, Billy, I already missed the first 12 years of your life. So, I mean, (laughs) it's too much effort to start now, right? Am I right? (laughs) Am I right? Maybe your uncle can teach you how to throw a hockey puck. Am I right? Yeah. (laughs) We'll be right back. Today was yet another big day in the ongoing Mueller investigation. And since this thing is not ending anytime soon, we figured we'd start keeping up with it in a new segment we call Mo Mueller, Mo Problems. (laughs) You know, the Mueller investigation is a lot like The Wire. Yeah? It's got a long winding plot. A huge list of shady characters, wiretaps, secret phone calls, it's got everything the wire has, except black people. (laughs) But every few days, we hear from one of the recurring characters. And today, turned out to be a Michael Cohen episode.
1: President Trump's former lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, dropping a bombshell in federal court, pleading guilty to lying to Congress about how much the president knew about a potential Trump Tower project in Russia during the campaign out of loyalty to President Trump. While Cohen told Congress last fall that the Moscow project ended in January 2016, he now admits discussions about the project lasted as late as approximately June 2016, when Trump was the presumptive Republican presidential nominee.
0: That's right, former Trump lawyer and human EO Michael Cohen, (laughs) is admitting that he lied to Congress about Trump's real estate dealings with Russia. And these aren't like your typical Trump real estate lies, like, of course we installed smoke detectors. No, this lie is way more important because it puts Trump's contact with Russia much closer to him being president, right? In January 2016, Trump was just one of 17 possible morons who could become the GOP nominee. But by June, he was the only moron who could become the nominee. And Cohen, you realize Cohen is just the latest Trump associate to be caught lying to investigators. (laughs) Which raises the question, if Trump's people aren't trying to cover up any nefarious activities, why does everyone keep lying? Like, why are they all lying? Is there some kind of super innocent secret that they just don't want Robert Mueller to know about? At the end, are they just gonna be like, okay, fine, Mueller, you want the truth? we were all planning a surprise birthday party for you, okay? You nosy bastard, here's your cake. Enjoy it, asshole. So while candidate Trump was running for president, He was simultaneously trying to make a deal for a new project in Moscow, right? And that sounds like a clear conflict of interest, but if you think it's that simple, you just haven't heard President Trump's explanation. I didn't do the project. I decided not to do the project, so I didn't do it. So we're not talking about doing a project. We're talking about not doing a project. Everybody knew about it. It was written about in newspapers. It was a well-known project. He's a weak person and what he's trying to do is get a reduced sentence. So he's lying about a project that everybody knew about. Now here's the thing, even if he was right, it doesn't matter because I was allowed to do whatever I wanted during the campaign. Yeah, I didn't do the thing, but if I did the thing, then the thing is, but I didn't do the thing, and I just, please don't hit me, mommy. Please don't hit me, mommy. So according to the president, Cohen is lying and also not lying. Somehow it's both, yeah. And you know, Trump is the only person whose explanations include every possible outcome, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like one of those choose-your-own-adventure books. He's like, if I didn't do it, go to page three. But if I did, it was totally okay, go to page five. And if you want to hear about my massive electoral college victory, turn to any page, any page, folks, and I'll tell you about it. (laughs) But the real question is, The real question is, why deal with Russia at all while you're running for president of the United States? Why not just avoid the conflict altogether? Well, turn to page bullshit to find out. I was running my business while I was campaigning. There was a good chance that I wouldn't have won, in which case I would have gotten back into the business. And why should I lose lots of opportunities? Uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, whoa. Wait, did you hear what he just said? Wait, he said the reason that he didn't stop his business dealings is because he also thought he would lose. <laughs> he just said that, he said there was a good chance, a good chance that I wouldn't have won. Well, that, yeah, I agree with him now. <laughs> no, because before I was, I was like, yeah, I'm against it, but in Trump's defense, I understand why he did it. Like, I would have told him to do the same thing. If in 2016 Trump came up to me and he's like, Trevor, do you think I should shut down my business in case I become president? I'd be like, Donald, there's no danger of that happening, my friend. (laughs) In fact, you should expand, expand. (laughs) Go ahead. But still, man, you have to see how shady this is. I mean, no president in modern history has run for office while also working a side hustle. Like, say what you want about Hillary. She had her faults. But one thing we never heard her say was I'm running to be your president, but in case it doesn't work out, please give me five stars. (laughs) We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times and author of Shrill, Notes from a Loud Woman, and the new book, Shout Your Abortion. This is based on the movement she co-founded. Please welcome Lindy West. Hello. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: This is a book that was based around a movement. I remember this trending online. I remember the debate that this started. Shout Your Abortion. It immediately jars a lot of people, but what is this movement all about?
1: Uh, so it started in 2015 um, when, I don't know if you remember, but um, the Planned Parenthood Sells Baby Parts videos yes. were going around. right. Big hit. Um, and my friends and I were perturbed And um, trying to figure out, is there something that we can do? Is there some way that we can um, counteract this, like, crazy (laughs) nonsense? And my friend Amelia went on Facebook kind of spontaneously and wrote a beautiful post that said, I had an abortion at Planned Parenthood, and it was an overwhelmingly positive experience. I felt nothing but relief. Um, And I'm a good person, and my abortion made me happy. And so I took that, I screen grabbed it, and I threw it on Twitter, and I added, Shout Your Abortion, and then... The internet exploded, and some people said they were going to kill us, but a lot of people um, <laughs> uh, joined right. and told, started telling their stories with the hashtag, and it was really kind of gorgeous. It was like this huge outpouring of um, just just truth. Just, right. You know, some people had experiences that were traumatic, and some people had experiences like Amelia's that were... Um, that were they just felt gratitude and a lot of people people told us stories about having abortions before roe v wade and it was you know we got letters from religious people and conservative people because the reality is that people are having abortions right. Trevor, um whether you know really across party lines across religious lines across geographic lines it's the reality and um the conversation has really been dominated by what's essentially a fringe opinion. You know, um, uh, anti-choice rhetoric is not actually the norm. Right. So, you know, 71% of Americans support Roe v. Wade, and that's not a controversial thing. And yet we're all sort of backed into this corner to talk about abortion as, like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess it is kind of murder. Like, even people who are are pro-choice... Um, get sort of trapped in right. that paradigm, which is
0: um, propaganda. But how do you how do you move people away from the negative ideas surrounding abortion? Because the the paradox of abortion is that it isn't something that is taken lightly. It's not something that is 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 benign or flimsy. But at the same time, it is not what many anti-abortion uh, activists have have started to speak about it as. You 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 speak about the fact that it is not a partisan issue, and shouldn't be one, but it has become one over time. And we know that, you know, the church, like the Catholic Church, for instance, in America, did a really good job of reshaping that idea in the minds of politicians. So how does Shout Your Abortion try to take us in a different direction?
1: It's just people telling the truth about their experiences, and experiences that we've been taught to feel shame about and to apologize for, um, which is really engineered by the evangelical right, deliberately. You know, um... And so all this is, it doesn't, it's, it's morally neutral. You know, it's just people telling the truth. Here's what happened to me. Here's right. why I made this choice. Here's why I, I had to terminate this desperately wanted pregnancy. Or it's people talking about having had multiple abortions for every different kind of reason. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, when you let a, it's such a common experience, one in four uh, people who can get pregnant, will have an abortion. That's mm-hmm. huge. That means that everyone knows and loves someone who has had an abortion. That's just reality.
0: It's interesting because I've noticed in your speech and also in the book, you stray away from using the term women or women's issue. Is that, is that something intentional?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, just more important um, now than ever when, uh, you know, this administration is openly hostile to trans people. I mean, I think those of us who are trying to be on the right side of history and who genuinely care about other human beings try to be inclusive in our language, right. and the fact is that it's not only women who can become pregnant. Right. Um, trans men and non-binary people can be pregnant, and that's just reality. Right. So, um, why would we, you know, why would I be deliberately inaccurate in the way that I speak?
0: When you, when you look through this book, what I what I really found interesting and beautiful about it is that it is stories from individuals who are telling you their individual experience about how and why they had an abortion. Um, some are painful, you know. Some, some are stories where the person didn't want to have an abortion but had to, you know, because of circumstances. You have all of their images in the book. That's a, that's a very deliberate thing to do. Do you think that that, that adds to the stories, putting a, putting a face behind it? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think it's really easy, again, when you have this tiny fringe group controlling the narrative they're the only ones saying abortion out loud. Right. And if we're never saying abortion out loud and we're never telling our stories because we're shamed into silence, and when we talk about abortion, we say, we're so sorry, we're so sorry about this constitutional right that we have and we know it's wrong and bad, but can we please keep having it, maybe? Like, how is that a compelling political argument? But when you tell the truth and you say, I'm a human being, you know me and you love me and I've had an abortion and it's normal and it's happening all the time, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just so, it's so powerful and it, it... really breaks down that argument. And it really shows you that anti-choice people are not trying to stop abortion, they're trying to legislate who can and cannot have abortions. Because conservative politicians, uh, their wives and mistresses and daughters are always gonna be able to go get an abortion somewhere. And really, all anti-choice rhetoric does and um, you know, attempts to criminalize abortion um, or to overturn Roe, all that's gonna do is keep people trapped in poverty and drowning in poverty for generations. That's the goal, and if it wasn't the goal, they would spend their time and money on comprehensive sex education, free birth control, free contraception, um, all the things that actually pro-choice people spend their time on that actually do affect their abortion rate. So, you know. (laughs)
0: It's a beautiful book with an amazing movement behind it. Thank you so much for being on the show. The book, Shout Your Abortion, is available now. Lindy West, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com